From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery, and this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Stocks are declining, dragged lower by commodity producers and lenders. Bank of England Governor Mark Carney renewed concerns that Britain's withdrawal from the European Union will further weigh on global economic growth. Investors are also awaiting the second quarter earnings season, which gets underway next week. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg Radio. Dow Industrial Average is down 147.78 of a percent, trading at 17,801. S&P 500 is down 20 points. That's a loss of 1%. It's trading at 2,082. NASDAQ down 59 points, 1.2% to 4,803. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil down $2.30 a barrel, 4.7% at 46.69. Spot Gold is up $18.30 an ounce at 1,357.20. And the 10-year treasury is up 23.30 seconds with a yield of 1.36%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Political turmoil, financial uncertainty. Here to tell us more and explain it all is Bob Hormetz. He should be able to. He's a former Undersecretary for Economic Growth, Energy, and the Environment, of course, at the U.S. State Department, currently Vice Chairman of Kissinger Associates. He can be followed on Twitter at Bob Hormetz. Bob Hormetz, all right, so you get to select which dysfunctional political system you'd like to tackle first. You want to start off with the United Kingdom and their Brexit vote? Well, I think the U.K. really has presented a problem that's, in effect, bigger than the U.K. It's big enough uh, in the U.K. context, but when you add the implications for Europe and other parts of the world, it's much more global. Uh, the U.K. is having difficulty. First of all, the Labour Party is uh, a, not a very functional, one could say a dysfunctional opposition. The Tories are trying to figure out who their next prime minister will be. The judgment has been that they will not really begin negotiations with the rest of Europe until there is a new prime minister. Of course, the new prime minister then has to decide what the policy of Great Britain will be in terms of these Article 50 conversations, what the deal, so to speak, will be. All that uncertainty causes a rush to uh, more stable markets uh, into the dollar, into the yen, into Germany, but a lot of other countries are seeing money pour out. So that has global implications. And of course, within the European system, the weaker economies are the ones and the weaker banks are the ones who are suffering this uh, prolonged period of jitters that's now occurring in financial markets and prolonged uncertainty. And of course, rapid capital flows, jitters in financial markets, uh, entities that suffer 
unexpected large losses. This is the kind of thing that can destabilize markets and hit economies. This is obviously what central banks are concerned about. So far, you know, Mark Carney spoke for the, the third time in 12 days. He's the head of the Bank of England. Uh, in his last speech, he said he wasn't going to step down no matter how much some want him to go from you know, not step down as head of the BOE. He suggested that the Fed, that the BOE, the bank may have to cut rates. Today he's talking about shoring up the banks, helping them lend more. Is he, is he doing enough and is it enough to keep the UK stable while this long negotiation with the EU plays out? Well, this is the problem. Uh, I think he's doing enough uh, for the moment. Mark Carney's a terrific guy and a very, very good central banker. One of the problems he has and everyone has is trying to figure out how long this is going to last. When did the Tories get a new prime minister? How long does it take the new prime minister to pull together a policy within the UK on what kind of severance they want from the rest of Europe? How long those negotiations will take? Do they want to make a new deal uh, to make sure they have access or at least a substantial amount of access to the European markets and the so-called financial passport so that British banks can operate freely in Europe? And then what do they have to pay for in terms of immigration, in terms of budget contributions? Uh, one of the deals, people talk about the Swiss deal. It took them seven years to negotiate that. There were large numbers of elements to that that take a very long time to negotiate. So even after the Article uh, 50 conversations begin, that's two years, but it could take a lot longer than two. And throughout that period, there'll be a lot of uncertainty. So he has to really gauge when does he use his ammunition, does he use it now or is he in for a prolonged period of uncertainty, and is he going to have to deal with a lot of uh, a lot of uncertainty for many, many months and perhaps years? Bob Hormetz, uh, I want to just give people a little idea of the kinds of let's say meetings or settings that you are familiar with, because you helped uh, President Nixon, I believe, uh, and the opening to China, the diplomatic relations with the Chinese uh, Communist government. You've also served as a staff member for International Economic Affairs on the United States National Security Council, vice chairman of Goldman Sachs. You've been, I bet you've been in your fair share of meetings with other people on the other side of the table. If you were in the meetings and in any of these negotiations with either the politicians or leaders in the UK, in Italy, in France, what is going on? Are there adults in any of those rooms? Well, they're adults, but they are not uh, particularly experienced at running countries. They have to deal, first and foremost, with enormous contention within their political parties. So they're really thinking first about the power structure and the power dynamics within, say, the Tory party or the Labour party. And the bureaucrats in the UK, who are not leaders in the sense that prime minister would be, or the cabinet members, for instance, but they, I think, uh, are working on what kind of deal Britain ought to try to come up with. And I'm sure there are various people, very talented people within the UK civil service, who are trying to figure out what kind of deal Britain wants, or at least to put options together so that the new prime minister can look at them very quickly. But you need leadership. And uh, you need strong leadership, and you really don't have that. Even the strongest leader in Europe 
is subject to pressure within her own coalition. And then you get the right-wing party in, in Germany, the Alternative for Deutschland, as it's called, as it's called um, arguing for much more insular, much more nationalistic, much more xenophobic policies. And they're growing in importance. So she's got to contend with that risk. They're like the National Front in France, only they're a German version, with very, very tough, harsh, ugly language and growing in power. Unfortunately, well, you know the, the Italian banks. Uh, maybe that's more of a European Central Bank and a, a banking regulation problem. They want to give some of their biggest banks money directly, give them capital. The new rules being formed in that area say no. You know, shareholders have to take losses. Uh, if is, will this just be circumvented, and then we'll just put the Italian banking problems on a back burner and continue to look at these larger issues like can the EU really hold together now? Well, I think they're going to have to work this out with the European Commission in particular. There are rules. The rules were put down there for a purpose. Italy, of course, is very worried about the status of its banks because its banks have not taken the corrective measures, at least many of them have not, that some of the other banks in other parts of Europe have have done. Um, The banks obviously differ one from the other. There's some that are in very good condition, some that are not. But the government, I think, is is worried about the Italian banking system and perhaps will need to do some emergency things just to hold it together for a period of time while this instability lasts. As I say, however, the instability or the uncertainty could last a long time, and that could put a lot of pressure on those banks. And the flight to risk uh, aversion could, could grow. That hurts banks in some of the weaker countries and some of the weaker banks. And you're seeing this not only in Italy, but in many emerging economies that were beginning to stabilize. Money was beginning to come back. And now you see money going out into secure currencies like the dollar. The problem with that is it pushes the dollar up and slows American growth. Japan, which is not growing at all, money goes in Japan because the yen is seen as a stable currency, stable system, pushes the yen up. That slows growth in Japan. So this is becoming, and it actually has become, a global problem. Different problems for different countries for different reasons, but uh, pulling it all together is important. The Group of 20 meeting and the Group of 20 played a very key role in the 2008 crisis. It's going to be very important, particularly the roles of China and the U.S. and some of the other large countries. But can they can they exercise the kind of collective leadership this year that they did in 2008 remains to be seen. That takes place in September. But until then, you need strong leadership. The U.S. is the best country to provide the leadership, but you've got to have people to talk to. And where there are countries with no effective governments, that's very hard to do. So are there leaders in any of these countries that we do not know much about that you are uh, watching or listening to to see whether they can pull together an electorate? No. Well, there are people in these countries that the U.S. is familiar with in the U.K. and many other parts of Europe. But the question is, do they have the credibility internally to pull policies together and to pull people together. I'm sure the U.S. government is talking to the aspirants for leadership in the U.K., particularly in the Tory party, and trying to figure out what they're trying to do. But I think at this point, the U.S. uh, can play a supportive role, but the uh, U.K. is going to have to figure out what it wants. And then you need uh, leadership in Europe. You need leadership in the EU. And you really don't have very strong leaders except for uh, Chancellor Merkel in the EU itself. These these people are, are, are skilled at bureaucratics. And the other problem is that the EU 
used to be a great, powerful political vision with strong leaders, you know, Schmidt, Giscard d'Estaing, others. Uh, now it's become much more bureaucratic, and making tough decisions in the EU is, is very difficult. You've got to pull all these countries together, and they're more technocratic than political. Bob Hormatz, thank you so very much for joining us, Vice Chairman of Kissinger Associates. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox on Taking Stock. This is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.